You're listening to episode four, The Four Pillars of Defensibility, from the Network FX Masterclass, here on the NFX Podcast. This episode is hosted by NFX General Partner Pete Flint as he walks you through the other forms of defensibility, including network effects. To watch the course, visit nfx.com masterclass. So I first realized the, the power of network effects from my experience at lastminute.com. So lastminute.com was a late 90s web 1.0 company. I was joined as part of the founding team in the travel space. And we were providing a travel marketplace for everything from flights to hotels to tickets to car hire. At the end, it was a phenomenal success. Um, uh, it sold for over a billion dollars in 2005. So I moved to Silicon Valley after lastminute.com and, and to, to attend Stanford and really stumbled across the real estate industry and ended up attending a, a real estate conference. And driving back um, that day, I started to connect the dots and see how what had happened in European travel was going to happen to the US real estate industry, where there would be a a marketplace that would provide transparency to the consumer, as well as provide a platform to help the supply side market their goods and services. So I set about to build a marketplace in the US real estate industry that became Trulia, and really thought about it from the principle of like, how can I amass as much supply as quickly as possible, and then track consumers on top of that. Like, how do you find this fragmented supply in this high-value transaction and build a better user experience on top of that and help consumers to find exactly what they need? So my entire career, frankly, has been about network effects. Uh, I've had three jobs, all of them fundamentally been network effect companies, two unicorn companies, and then with NFX, helping to invest and help the next generation of phenomenal network effect businesses. So the partners at NFX are focused on giving you the power of network effects, the insights, the tactics, the hidden secrets to enable you to incorporate those ideas into your startup from day one. So defensibility really means resilience and the fact that companies can survive against what the reality will be of any successful business is an onslaught of competitors or substitutes. And understanding how you can build that defensibility early on means not only you can have a a successful company, but also you can have one that can dominate the category that it's executing in. So you should really care about defensibilities from the early stage of building a business. There's so many things as a, as a startup founder you need to focus on. And looking at how do you not just build an interesting product or an important company, but frankly, one that doesn't have substitutes at scale. And thinking about the different types of defensibilities you can build in, in a startup to ensure that you have the opportunity to become a category leading company and to dominate your industry. So there are four major defensibilities in the digital world. Of course, there's network effects, but beyond that, there's brand, embedding, and scale. And we'll walk through these. So of course, you can build a really interesting business that's not number one, that doesn't have network effects. But the real opportunity is if you're able to incorporate these network effects early on and find industries where they can have massive defensibility at scale. That's the way to build 
category-defining companies with ultimately huge market valuations. But it's critical you think about network effects from the beginning. It's so much harder to add those in a later stage. And picking businesses and markets and products that can have that network effect at the beginning is critical to enabling you to incorporate those later on. So brand arises when consumers or companies understand who you are and what you do. And it drives this psychological switching costs. You have this natural preference over one company or one brand over another. And that's really critical to enable consumers to be drawn to your product. Not only do they pay higher prices for it, but you end up getting lower customer acquisition costs for the product or service. In many ways, brand is a proxy for trust and consumers are risk averse. And so to, to have a well-known brand and well-defined brand enables startups and companies to bring over customers and retain them that they would otherwise not. And today in a society and media, which is there are so many distractions and so many interruptions, having a brand is critically important for a company to rise, rise above the noise of all the potential substitutes in that market. So early stage founders, you really need to think about this from the earliest days. How do you define your brand? How do you stand out? How do you have consistency in what you do and have high visibility in the brand that you're creating? So to build a successful brand at the earliest stage, you don't need a lot of money. You don't need TV ads. But you do need to ensure that your brand stands for something. The most powerful brands in the world have a specific purpose and specific mission. And by repeating that again and again, alongside a clear visual identity that's consistent, and then amplifying that across as many media channels as possible, will create an efficient but important platform to build a long-term successful brand. The best early stage brands are often ones that are surprisingly quite controversial. Um, they stand for something, they make an impact, they make you think, and that can be quite uncomfortable. Um, but to have an early insight which makes you stand out in that marketplace, backed up with a consistency, a repetition, clarity of message that you, you don't confuse the message of your, 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 your company and your brand, enables you to build that platform on which to build a significant brand over time. Go to nfx.com slash masterclass to watch this course with a full video experience alongside transcripts, show notes, and additional reading. The NFX Masterclass tracks your progress and allows you to move at your own pace through the material. We will also be adding new seasons to the streaming platform, so be sure to register so you can gain early access to new material from NFX. And now, back to the episode. So as an example, take the smartphone industry. Uh, you have Apple and Android, which have functionally similar, very, very similar products, whereas Apple, with its much stronger, stronger brand, is able to charge a much higher price than the Android phones. And the US, you've seen how in the luxury market, Apple has dominated. It's, you know, internally, it seems that they think of it very much as the kind of luxury fashion industry, whereas Android and Google is seen as much more of a utility 
certainly is a phenomenal component to their business, but they perceive very differently. And each of them have defined their brands quite differently and they've dominate each of those different segments in that market. So brand is particularly important in categories where there's like many options. So it could be commodity products or services because it helps consumers to shortcut the decision-making process and choose the brand or service that's right for them. And also enables their company to have you know, easier customer acquisition and higher prices. The other end is those that are really high consideration purchases where trust is paramount. If you're gonna choose an investment bank to make you go public, you don't want a no-name organization. You want the strong, branded, trustworthy service. The same goes for enterprise software, where building a thoughtful brand that's trusted and well-known is critical for the success of that organization. So embedding is another defensibility that can work with network effects to increase defensibility. So what embedding is, is it's deeply integrating your product or service into another customer's operations. So it's, it's deeply wound into that and bound into that organization, making it very hard to remove, thus increasing the switching costs of that product or service into the, into the other's organization. So people think of, when people think of embedding, they often think first of enterprise software. Think of the Oracle or ERP systems that are kind of embedded into a corporate's IT infrastructure. But where we are today, we see these, uh, this embedding in, in all sorts of forms, whether that's cloud services, um, APIs. Take Stripe, for example. Stripe provided a simple um, e-commerce payments platform that would enable developers to quickly add that service into their websites. They focused early on on small, fast-growing companies that enable them to scale uh, scale over time very, very significantly to become a massive organization. Same with Twilio, providing APIs for communication services. Something that was traditionally very hard, they made very, very easy. They made that uh, embedding very, very simple for developers to incorporate into their uh, websites. Enabling, an example would be Uber, to provide send text messages very efficiently. And as Uber grew, Twilio benefited from that. So we see embedding as a really important uh, defensibility that really increases the, the switching costs of your product, thus creating significant defensibility. So if you're pursuing an embedding strategy, it's really important to understand who the decision maker is in the organization. So traditionally, embedding was employed by enterprise software companies that would hire expensive salespeople that would go after um, selling into the CIO or the CFO, and, and that still works today for certain types of platforms. Many other companies are focused on identifying who is a decision maker in the organization. It could be a developer. And building a community and a brand focused on those developers and giving them the tools and the documentations to make it incredibly easy. Taking out the friction of the service and, and building a highly scalable platform that they inco can incorporate into the service. So if you're pursuing this strategy, you really need to understand who is a decision maker and how do you take as much friction out of the process as possible 
and figure out a way to target those decision makers so they become familiar with this product or service that you're offering. In other words, embedding directly heightens the switching costs by the organization adopting the product. In effect, it's practically impossible to rip these services out at scale because they become so mission critical to the company organization that the, the leadership just doesn't want to focus on changing it and will we'll keep that service or product in the organization. So scale is another important defensibility. So by scale effects, we really mean economies of scale in that the, at scale, a, an organization is able to reduce the unit cost of a particular component or services providing, so to provide these economies of scale to enable that product to be done cheaper or better than could be done otherwise by a smaller competitor. So as an organization scales, they build that inherent cost or functionality advantage as they get bigger. We often see scale effects exhibiting a flywheel effect in that, take for example, a company that's manufacturing. The, the more they manufacture, the cheaper the cost of those individual components are to manufacture. Thus, the uh, cheaper the entire product or service that they're building is. That attracts more customers than it enables them to uh, buy the component materials at a cheaper price. And so the flywheel continues. Um, this is quite different from network effects. It can be often confused. But that flywheel effect is a key driver of startups that get velocity to provide this economies of scale or the scale effect. So Amazon has many, many defensibilities, uh, but it clearly has uh, significant scale effects. So let's take the economies of scale of the warehousing. The bigger the warehouses, the more warehouses they have, the more efficient they are to operate, thus enabling you to get your goods at lower prices faster. They also have uh, massive scale effects in their AWS business, providing computation or storage at lower prices than competitors because they have built this huge infrastructure. So another example of a company that's really used scale effects to provide its primary defensibility today is Netflix. They actually started much more as a marketplace defensibility uh, and network effect business, providing third-party content to a subscriber base. And then over time, to really reduce the multi-tenanting that they saw on the, uh, on the supply side of content really trying to be in all the key places, they focus on building and creating proprietary content or shows that they would invest heavily in that they'd amortize that cost over their large and increasing subscriber base. So where they are today, they have millions and millions of consumers paying subscription fees. They're able to use that to build this and fund this proprietary content, thus, thus building this scale defensibility within their platform. So while scale effects are interesting, we generally discourage early stage startups from focusing on scale effects. They really become beneficial at scale. And at the earliest stage, there are other forms of defensibility which are much easier to get going and provide much more defensibility. There are four major defensibilities in the digital world. But in certain categories, we also see IP as a defensibility, particularly in 
science and bio. And our focus on tech bio companies, we see IP defensibility being a often a critical component, helping and, and finding these novel scientific innovations with really proprietary IP can be a form of core defensibility. So all these defensibilities are absolutely not mutually exclusive. Um, many of the largest startups and, and companies have a combination of these defensibilities. They build a brand, they have embedding, and they have core network effects. So they work absolutely in consort. The earlier stage startups, we generally prefer an early stage focus on network effects because they're digitally native, because they scale so quickly, and we, they're often the most capital efficient to get going. And then over time, companies can, can incorporate uh, other defensibilities, such as brand, such as embedding, and at larger startups, they can provide scale. Stay tuned to the NFX podcast as we'll post one episode per week until we complete the course. You can also watch this entire masterclass online at nfx.com masterclass, where you can log in, track your progress, and watch full videos, read transcripts, and find other related material. Thanks for listening to the NFX podcast. <laughs>